Hey, everybody, it's John. And thanks to everybody who helps us out every week by going to patreon.com slash steal this beer and throwing a couple of bucks away so that we can mail beers to our guests and have some fun conversations resulting from that. So uh, if you're not already, go check it out. It's patreon.com slash steal this beer. Uh, as Cass says, a little bit goes a long way and we appreciate the support. Now, here come the sirens. Steal This Beer, a candid weekly discussion about beer, over beer, by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. Hey y'all, it's five o'clock on Monday and we're stealing beer. I'm Augie Carton. Hey, Augie Carton. I am John Hall. Justin Kennedy's here on mute. Brian Cass is in Chicago, but not with us, which is really kind of funny. You know what would make that ironic? What? If our accomplice du jour was also in Chicago and from Chicago. Do I have that right? Doug, 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 Doug Revolution. Are, well, I are was you... going to do all that. I just wanted a yes or no to that. You are in Chicago, right? I am in Chicago. That's yes. fantastic. All right. But then so you asked our, you asked him if he was from Chicago, and I I was looking for the answer to that as well. Are I'm you not from Chicago? No. Okay. I'm from, now I'm let's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, all right. So let's let's do the proper introduction. Duction. Induction. Wow. Our and you know the worst part. <laughs> Stone sober. Stone sober. Just this is a weird time of day for us. Four thirty on a Thursday. So I rushed home from getting a kid at school to jump on. So I think I'm just, you know, still in 537 traffic mode, but I will chill into this. Anyway, Doug, you are officially the, it's, so it's Doug Velicki and you're officially the CMO of Revolution, but you've worn about 90 hats at Revolution before landing with this title. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's pretty much right. Yeah, I came on in 2016 as the CFO. And then um, as people would leave in marketing, I loved everything about marketing, even though it wasn't my background. So I'd pitch in on all different kinds of things and would you know, pick up the slack when there'd be a gap when we were trying to hire someone new. And then during COVID, when anything was possible, I uh, ended up <laughs> kind of overseeing, overseeing all of it and it worked out well enough. And now I got to shed my finance duties and now do this full time. You were so, doing so, both for a while, though. So, but I wait, was, wait, wait, yeah. yeah. But wait, so you're you're like the guy. It's a it's a common trope around here, and the worst part is, I think it applies to me as well. But you're like the guy who quit Wall Street to go open his brewery, but you held both roles within the same brewery, right? Kind you're of, like, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. done crunching numbers. I want to make beer, talk about beer, and tell people about beer. Yeah. That's fair. And that was like, I, I left a gigantic company to come work at a significantly smaller company when I first came here too. So there was a little bit of that originally. This is actually the most interesting part of this conversation for me. So Kennedy gave me very good notes on you. So you may be the first time in eight years of this show, you may be the first person I've talked to that I have some real, you know, valid which makes me think you've got a package about yourself you sent to kennedy because he's never actually done research justin you can hit unmute if you want to yell at me at any point 
Doug is but, one of the most written about guys and and followed uh, individuals in the beer space these days. It's a little bit of googling goes a long way. And and well, it, it really paid Kennedy off because I'm prepared for this interview so much so that right. I think we need eight hours because I have nine thousand questions instead of tell me what you do. But true to but Kennedy what, form, he left off articles that I've done in the past or, you know, that Doug was on the 40 under 40 list from wine enthusiasts that, you know, I put on a couple of years ago. So a lot of like the important to me but, things, but wouldn't it be safe for Kennedy omitted. to assume, but wouldn't it be safe for Kennedy to assume because of how much I love and respect your talents as a reporter that anything you've ever written about anybody I've already read. So it wouldn't help to give me that. We made the resolution not to lie to each other this year. Right. That's why everything I just said was honest. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually, Doug, remind me of this because we're obviously already a mess, but I promised myself I'd wait for the third section of the show to talk about your own writing because I also read your predictions for 2023, but that's a whole conversation I don't know we can ever get out of, so I don't want to start it now. I want to go back to your path from auditing finance, big business stuff to CFO at a, it's a, well, let me, all right, let me start with let's contextualize revolution for everybody. Cause believe it or not, we were joking about this before the show, but I know of you guys because you're the guys who among many other things, but primarily the reason you come to my knowledge as a guy in Jersey who drinks a lot and makes beer is your canned barley wines that the Alex Kidd cult are crazy for. And every time you guys put out a new one of those, I'm fully aware of what it is, what availability it is, how hard it will be to get and all this stuff. So, so there's amongst everything else, there's a whole zeitgeist, but revolution in Chicago is a all type brewery, right? You do every kind of beer in cans at baseball stadiums, stuff like that. Right. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, we started in 2012, built a, as just a brew pub, built a production brewery in 2012, uh, kind of led off with a, a trio of a, an IPA, a porter and a wit, and kind of had to carry all three of them. You couldn't just buy the IPA. So we were, we kind of started in that direction. But of course, the IPAs um, beginning in 2013 took on a mind of their own and became a much, much bigger part of the brewery. So that was you know, a big part of our identity for a while. Um, but we definitely pride ourselves on finding ways to find homes for as many uh, styles as possible and have shifted gears a couple of times over the years. But then we've always had this uh, big barrel program um, that's kind of our uh, crowning achievement, I guess. Uh, you could say we have a lot of uh, brewers who, uh, including our owner, who once worked at Goose Island. So there's a lot. I of was going to say, are you allowed to be in Chicago without a barrel aged program? <laughs> Isn't yeah, it part a, of the city charter? Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like kind of another animal. We're we're an interesting size. We're kind of an uncommon size of a brewery. Where, you know, to any Chicago brewery, we're gigantic. You know, we're in the like seventy thousand barrel range, but um, we sell about eighty three percent of our beer in Illinois. So we're pretty heavily tied Damn. to local here. So even though we're in plenty of states, most of our beer is sold here here at home, and um, you know we play in a lot of spaces. Like we we are we do well. We sell that much beer locally because we do well in the 
big box stores and have the strategies it takes to, you know, have success there. But we also love the kind of small batch world and the one-offs and of course the barrel aged beers. So we have this kind of hybrid of uh, being both, you know, being the the big brewery that you can find in any store that sells alcohol in the state uh, pretty much um, to go at least. Um, binnies and then, and just then, say yeah. binnies <laughs> and then we and then we have um you know this barrel program that's kind of its own its own thing so that's super neat can i ask you so all of your packaging was 12 ounce cans and that's changed at some point in the in the 10 year history or i i'm getting to why you put your very coveted barley wines into 12 ounce cans and not only I have a 192 can of uh Death Star on my on my desk right now. I don't know the brand Death Star per se, but I'm assuming it's a big ass barley wine. It's it's it's, it's yeah. Oh, okay, it's a stout. But I'm talking about like so actually can I change my question to lead to that question? But VSOJ and all that, those are <laughs> different versions of cognac names, right? Like how did you guys end up there? Is there a secret code for what those letters mean to you guys? Because I just know that it's like, you know, I mean, I just know it's variations on VSO. Yeah, the, it's a it's a riff on the cognac terminology, which I believe is VSOP. Uh, VSO yep. stands for very special old. There's yep. cognacs that are just VS or no, I'm right. sorry, that are just no, it's VO. VS, VSO. There's yep. VS, VO, VSO and VSOP. Yeah, are and the then there's cognac designations. And then there's, I think there's EXO that's even beyond right. that. That's like extremely old. And uh, yep. so well, that means love. Like, uh, <laughs> well, um, so we just, we almost everything we do started as a one-off draft variant. And that was the case where we had some barrels of straight jacket one year, which is our barrel aged barley wine. And we had, produced and barrel aged more than at the time we felt we had the appetite to sell. And so we just decided, let's not package them all. Let's see what an extra year does to the aging. So the, the year after that, this is probably like 2015 we're talking. So in 2016, we actually uh, kegged one of those off and our, um, the manager of our barrel program, Marty, he comes up with a lot of the names, especially for one-offs, but uh, a lot of the big names as well. He just called it VSOJ, very special old jacket, and just like drop for straight jacket. There we go. And so we, when we have these uh, beer releases where we're selling like two or three different barrel aged beers to go, we also try to have like four or five one-offs that we make that are riffs off of those barrel aged beers. And that's just kind of become our model where call it four to five times a year, we have these releases with a couple featured beers and then a bunch of one-offs and then the certain one-offs will get, um, you know, gain a lot of steam and then we'll try to figure out ways to scale those up and recreate them into an actual like packaged release. That's, I mean, that makes total sense. Now, now back to the question that started me on the wrong path. The 12 ounce can is just what you guys were packaging in when this all happened, or was that a decision in some other marketing term? You know what I mean? Was there a reason to 12 ounce can these beers or was it just what you had and you wanted to package them? Yeah, we were, um, 
you know, fairly early, um, not, not to the extent that like Oscar blues was early in cans, but, um, you know, 2012, when we were setting up a production brewery, our owner wanted to be a, a can wanted to be in cans and, uh, found a, I think it was like a 1970s RC Cola, uh, uh, like 40 head canning line or something like that. And so we, we, we bought this like uh, machine that actually stayed with us for the first five or so Excuse years. Me. Sorry. And it was great. And uh, so cans were what we did, but we definitely had the, the bomber uh, phase like everyone else where we would brew the double IPAs and the big crazy stuff uh, for the most part and did some bombers, but we were pretty quick to ax that once we saw the writing on the wall that this wasn't the future and we saw the be beginnings of 16 ounce cans being the new phenomenon, we got out of the bombers pretty fast. So I'd say that was a thing from like 2013 to 2016, something like that. But our all of our main feature beers in the portfolio were 12 ounce cans from the beginning. So then when it came time to bid farewell and find a, a new owner for the RC Cola machine that I think we got from the Caribbean, um, we found a new home from it for it. And we bought like a, we bought a million dollar uh, filler, a KHS, it's called a DVD 40, beautiful yeah. machine. Um, could, you know, keep the TPO levels, the DO levels to the absolute minimum. And we were wanted to tout this thing of like this new investment we made and show it off. And then it became the question of why would we put our most precious cargo? Uh, why would we use our Maheen to put those in bottles when we could use this, you know, huge investment we made into the quality of our beer? Why wouldn't we put our uh, most premium beer in that same vessel? And then we also liked the idea, you know, we were big, we could see how many people were buying our barrel aged beers just to put on a shelf and just put in their closet. Um, and, you know, how that beer was, you know, not always aging gracefully. And we wanted to, you know, the, we were kind of against the like collecting our beer and wanted to kind of be early to like putting our beer in a format that people would actually drink them and then not get fatigued or not have like, uh, more beer than they knew it to do with. So we, we like the idea. Like of a 19 ounce. Two. Yeah. We want people to drink a beer fresh. <laughs> like a 92 of a double stout. <laughs> that can, that's for you sharing, know, John. You know, at some point I didn't <laughs> well, want to interrupt you. Now you I tell me. I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you because you're in such a great flow, but I was like, but you definitely went from bombers to stovepipes of double stout, right? Like, or is, or is John lying to me? Um, no, we, uh, we made a couple, uh, last year we made a couple hundred cases in a 19 two. Um, just because we wanted to have like a the same beer for a few other uh, occasions, have it in like a, a shareable format type thing. But it, it's not; uh, it's it, less than one percent of our barrel aged beers, let's say, go in a nineteen point two ounce can. That's amazing. Um, wait, can I can I ask wait, just a question? Because uh, oh you were talking God, about no, aging. No, 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 really, really fast. I just okay. want to know because I'm well, asking I have for a, a me. question about aging. I, I have a for a me. Okay. You go first. You go My first. question is though, have you run trials on, since you've started canning using this fancy machine, is there a sweet spot for the beer that people can hold on to it for, for like a couple of years? Or do you want people to be drinking this as fresh as possible? Um, we've yet to find any evidence of anything to do with the can or liner being problematic four or five years in. Well, I mean, we all, we put on every box we sell like keep cold drink fresh um because not all of these you know get better uh sh they might change i'm i'm a i'm very anti 
aging beer. Uh, I think it has poor odds of working out for you. So, um, so now allow me to interrupt because I think my question from the other end of the you know purist spectrum goes along with John's and might hit your answer, but agreed in most cases, especially in today's format where especially with the adjuncting some of us do to some of these things, you've made them right for drinking on release, right? There isn't a maturity thing, but there are those couple styles, especially when done more classically that I'm not saying improve, but change interestingly with maturation and classically those are barley wine, legitimate sours, and you know your cleaner stouts and from my own personal experience you know knowledge and collecting that's not going to happen in a can what makes a can so perfect for our purposes yours and mine as an as producers of things like ipas and lagers is it really does preserve very very well but what I'm saying is once it's in a can, you've kind of made a static situation. A 10-year-old can of VSOJ shouldn't change very much except, you know, some integration. Whereas a bottle with a one-inch air gap, you know what I mean, will progress more dramatically year over year over year. Is there anybody in your team that laments that's not something they get to experience or share with people now when you make i mean we make like 14 <laughs> of these a year that you know right. we're we just we we really go for the fact that we're excited about them how they taste on release day and that yeah. guess what there's going to be 14 more of these next year for don't know, wait maybe don't more wait. than you need that there's no real need to hang on to them that we've got just cool stuff coming and that's why i'm big on like like sometimes i'll see people leaving with like cases and cases of the same beer because it's their favorite and i'm like man we're, we're gonna have more next year <laughs> yeah um, now do so when alex kidd does his charity fundraising every vintage of vsoj ever in a can auction that will break your heart right i just want to get that on record so when john and alex have their next big fight john has that <laughs> Is that is that a thing? I don't I don't know about this. John and Alex are constantly bickering. Um, John, you're not going to chime in. All right, I'll let it go. Then it's fact. Um, all right, so so allow me to move on to just my. Didn't have next a good question. enough joke loaded up. Yeah. yeah well, you got to. Er, Alex I, Kid. I er, in fairness, though, so Doug is so prolific on social media. He's great to follow on Twitter, which I know you're not on there, Augie. Um, his his TikToks uh, are are fun and informative to watch. Um, uh, the Instagram, uh, I guess it's on there as well. It's mostly TikTok and and, and Twitter where I where I see him. Uh, Alex Kid is the have reason. A TikTok? Oh yeah, all about beer has a TikTok. Um, we Wait, don't do anything. John on all it. have a TikTok. I yeah. can't wait to yeah. see you beer dance. Uh, it's it's pretty oh, great. Make um, it happen, baby. Alex Kid is the reason, the sole reason that Doug quit Facebook. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know if See? that's true. Bombs. Um, I, I, bombs. I'm just I'm just trying to stir the pot. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. You're killing it. Yeah, anyway, no, I, so yeah. go you on. did quit Facebook though. I quit Facebook after our VSOJ release about a year and a half ago when 
everybody thought that sending me private messages with a sob story of could I hook them up with uh, <gasps> a couple cans uh, was appropriate. And my, uh, the it was more like Messenger, Instagram or uh, Facebook Messenger sure. just would not stop. Uh, it was like, it, uh, honestly, in the hundreds. And uh, that's I was just like, my, my brother-in-law's like, goldfish has cancer. <laughs> It's like not that they couldn't get me uh, on the other feeds too, but uh, I just decided I didn't need Facebook anymore, so I let go after that. Is there a Venn diagram of the people who are hitting you up uh, Messenger who are also members of Barley Wine is Life? I mean, um, yeah, but it's a single circle. It's, it's a giant it's, circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's I mean, that. There's a Venn diagram of people who have uh, advice for how to run our releases who love to tell me. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I so. love those. I, I, I definitely want to learn from you and talk to you, and I don't want to bore you with my stories, but I'm directly across the street from an elementary school that, because of New Jersey's weird laws, could shut me down every year. Um, you know, there's a, the application we have to do every month has to be approved, but every year has to be approved by them. And it's fine. We love them and they love us. I don't want to make it to sound bad, but the couple times a line formed at our brewery and people were sharing bottles outside one, I was afraid that would piss off the elementary school. And two, I was afraid they'd get the ticket for drinking near a elementary school that makes you register as a menace to children, wherever you move for the next week. <laughs> So I have carefully for all of my life desperately tried to sabotage line life for lack of a better term. And like, we don't pre-announce releases and we do all that. And every now and then almost once a month, I get a big email like you're talking about with, here's what you should do if you really want to make the beer consumer happy. And I'm like, thank you. I like you're doing a little kid voice there. That's nice. Thank you. Noted. Moving on. Anyway, so let me ask you this, because what I'm most interested here, and again, I, I've, I'm as, as any beer lover slash social media guy slash small brewer in America is, I'm aware of revolution, but I'm not, I wouldn't say fluent. So I, I want to learn here. But the, the, like I said, the package Kennedy sent me on you is deep and interesting. And your move from you know, non-brewing to brewing and through your process and brewing fascinates me. And what I want to talk about is kind of the revolution team, its structure, and what created the space of encouragement slash, you know, I want you to be a little narcissistic here. What, what did you seize along the way? But what, because you're clearly good at what you're doing now, but to even get to where you're doing now, you must have been very good at the finance part of it. Like, you know what I mean? I just want to talk culture within revolution and sea level assignments and how long everybody's been where and what's the paradigm that created a situation where the guy who was running the books well managed to find his way to being the person people email when they can't get their double barrel VSOJ. <laughs> Um, well, I think it goes back to where I came from before this job, which was Ray's Holdings, the the biggest distribution company in the country. They're just massive. It's like a $30 billion company. And I ran there um, when I left I, my last three years there was running their audit department. So the stakes I was dealing with at a company that large made coming to a small business, which is where I wanted to be. I wanted to be somewhere where I could, was not at such a massive company. And 
you know, while being at Reyes craft beer from 09 to 2016, that's of course the arc of where craft beer, especially in Chicago, went from barely existing to being a massive phenomenon. So during the time in this role that happened to be at the biggest beer distributor, um, I got the craft beer bug and I had always been a, you know, beer fan and like finding the best beer I could type, but, uh, really became like something I, that was, uh, you know, I became an enthusiast myself, let's say. And, um, so during my time there, you know, doing my normal job, I was there to do. I also like was trying to figure out a way to get onto the beer side at that company. I was more at the holding company level dealing with all their businesses, but I really wanted to be on the beer specific um, side. They do all kinds of different distribution uh, like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and they did broadline food at the time. But uh, I wanted to work in beer and get more hands-on. And I just like couldn't find a way in. I was in a weird position to just like bridge over into beer and I couldn't make it work. So that's when I started um, taking my enthusiasm and I wanted to create like an own, my own resume for myself. So I started this Instagram feed and started trying to post something about beer every day. And Is that the knew- beer aficionado one that yeah. Kennedy sent me? Okay, got it. Yeah, so, so guys, check it out because it's funny. And the last yeah. thing we're going to close with today is the fact that I saw your wife Pelotoning on there, but we'll save it. Oh, nice. Keep going with what you're on. So um, started just posting whatever I could think of to just kind of like do the old documenting the journey type thing. And then started once I started feeling like I could add parts of my experience to what I saw going on the ind- going on in the industry, tried to add like new depth to it. And that eventually just led to a the blog I started where I would write like thought pieces on at the time it was more like distribution focused where I uh, the industry I worked in. And then um, that's where Revolution saw my blog. And um, when they were, it was the owner's wife was the CFO at the time, and she wanted to not be involved in the day-to-day part of the business. So uh, the head of sales at the time followed my account. I didn't know him at all. I didn't really know anyone at Revolution, but where I worked was their biggest distributor. So had that um, connection in that sense. And they kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said that they read all my blog posts and wanted to see if I'd be interested in interviewing for this CFO role. So when they hired me on, I was not just like an accounting type. I was an accounting type who was a beer enthusiast, but also a hyper aware, kind of trying to document everything going on, really analyzing the nuts and bolts, because I so badly wanted to find a way into the industry that wasn't starting a brewery. I just wasn't uh, quite that. I didn't have the, I wasn't a brewer and I didn't want to, I just didn't want to go that route, but I wanted to try to lend my uh, background to it. So um, that's where some of the like beer nerdery and being able to uh, begin to bridge into the marketing side came from is that I was a enthusiast. So every, when I, once I started in this finance role, anything to do with like creating a new beer brand, which which beers we should elevate to the next level. I I was, it was pretty easy to like gain a voice in those discussions and then kind of show that I not only could throw out a hot take on a beer I think we should make because I like it, but could actually dig in and find the real market rationale for why I thought we as a business should go this direction. And so 
just getting to chip in in those ways. But then as like I mentioned earlier, people would leave in marketing and I would raise my hand and say, Hey, I can like oversee our social media feeds. Um, and while we wait for the next person to come about and that sometimes that could take four to six months. So there'd be long tenures where I was doing that. I'd be helping make our packaging, like work, work with our designer on were they many... being good enough to hire you some bookkeepers each time you took this role out, or were you just yeah? We, we've always had a you couple. Didn't ever need to be home again. No, we've always, we've always had a couple uh, people on our accounting team. So um, yeah, good people it's like, around oh, me. Great, to make look this at part. that. That's a he, look how good he is at accounting. He just saved us another salary. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a ninja. Um. All right. So, and by the way, I got, I, I became part of that Peloton cult this year. So Kennedy sends me your Instagram says, watch these. This guy's very funny. Um, and the first one I, first of all, none of them are, he says, these are great memes. First of all, not one of them's a meme. They're all TikToks. I'm like, I'm like, our millennial doesn't know what a meme is. Um, but then I, the first one I saw was a live in studio Peloton, which I recently did. I was like, I know what that is. So that's how I got hooked. But now let's go on to, I think it'll be a step backwards, which is the article I read your predictions for 2023. Am I right in assuming that's the blog you were talking about starting back in the day? And that's yep. just something you're putting on there now. And by extension, you did a whiteboard story about why to six pack over 12 pack. And we're in the middle of making one of those decisions right now. Like, you know, we're putting a new brand out in March and I think it should be, you know, six packs of 12 ounce. To wrap here. No, it is not. It's actually, so this brings us back to the article, which again, I'm leaving for last because it's like it's a personal attack on me for being basic, but I don't think that's what was intended on Doug's side, but that's obviously how I'm going to pitch it. Um, but I wanted to talk about that because I thought it was, I mean, what a fucking great TikTok if you're in the middle of in a much smaller company, like we're 5,000 barrels a year. I think you said you were 70. But we, you know, we have one of those five head gooses. We can switch between 12 and 16s and do. And we're introducing a new brand um, in March. And I think it should be six, you know, six 12 ounce cans. And watching your thing really fleshed out some of my thinking and introduced me to whole new thinking. So this is just me saying thank you for just putting that out in the world. Because I just sent it to everybody on my team involved in the decision said, listen to this, tell me if this changes anything you're thinking. So thank you for that. Now let's, now let's go on to your personal attack on me for being basic and trite without knowing that's what you were doing. But that beer I'm describing, and John, I know you noticed I haven't talked about our glass of beer yet. Um, let I me haven't. just do the diatribe, but what brings us together on seal the spirits of candid conversation, oh, we're doing here, it. Okay. what it's doing, what it's doing, not what we we're told it would do, uh, you know, what it tastes like, not how we got it. And if it's in your cellar, where it fits in your life, if you're holding onto it and cherishing it, which, uh, Doug has already told you, you shouldn't be doing, um, to facilitate that John and I drink blind out of black glasses. Um, that being said, Doug doesn't have these beers, no. so I haven't been focusing on them. But John and I have some leftovers from a canceled <clears throat> episode, so we're both drinking the same beer. And all I'm going to say about this beer is it's a lovely little kind of 
middle of the world IPA with a ton of citra in it. And it actually reminds me of one of my beers I did with other half called all orange, everything. It's like a little Maris Ottery, pretty clean, but soft, almost hazy double IPA with a ton of citra in it. I love drinking it. I've been drinking it the whole time we've been talking and it's fine for that. John throw two notes in. And let's yeah. I've been, I've been drinking it the whole time as well. Uh, this has, Almost everything that you said, I'm reminded a little bit about like Sierra Pale or, you know, some sort of West Coast to bitter influence tastes, without but the to bitterness me it to it. more but, yeah. British. I don't mean British. I mean more Maris and a little less like just typical, like, you know, I think Sierra is like a bag of Vienna is how you make Sierra. I feel like this is a bag of Munich is how you make this. Okay. Either way, um, there, there's there's not necessarily the full-on bitterness that I might want from the hop content that I'm getting from this, but it's it's, yeah, but it's the, perfectly, it's like marmalade and yeah. it's, yeah, it's fun. But it smells like that other half citrus. Like there's that little tiny bit of citra. It's got that tiny little bit of scallion. Um, I don't you know, stand in line for beers. I, 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 I don't fully know what Dude, you're saying. Dude, I'm friends yes. with these guys. They just passed oh, them off. Oh, isn't that nice? Me. Look at me rocking the world. Anyway, so that's what it is. Somebody open the can and tell us that it's all orange and everything and Kennedy broke the rules and we will move on. Um, but so what I was going to say, so having read your What's Coming in 2023 article, which I loved, you and I have never met. I'm not even sure you're aware of Carton Brewing or what boat beer is. And if you are, great. Not for this conversation. But all of these things, well, part of it, he should be, because he said no one's on Session Ale, and he gave credit for Session Ale to founders. And obviously, I invented Session Ale with Boat, and it's still our leading beer, and it's the definitive Jersey beer. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that the couple ideas... So the interesting parts for me were the bet race. I love that you've entered, by the way, into your legacy building phase. I saw you put that the other day, like Jersey's original craft or something. No, we were and the first was, people uh, in Jersey to can beer. And I just, yesterday I, was the eighth anniversary. Of I, I love I love the legacy building that you're doing right now. By the way, this that is happened called, the minute we did it. I used to believe that there was nothing uh, in between, and it's burial is this... uh, in collaboration with other half. Oh, that makes total sense. They're calling that it a West Coast completely. IPA. Yep, makes total sense. There, nailed it, moved on. Um, do they tell you what hops are in it? I don't know, man. It's you really know what's funny is when you were reading the can. name. When you were reading the name, I thought it was uh, off color from Chicago. I thought we were theme showing here. Anyway, let me get back to Doug and his article. So I guess what I'm saying is the bet race check thing completely valid and worthwhile. And you know, I've decided to bet. That made sense. I think that's just market color. I'll let you talk about those thoughts when I'm done framing the question. But then you go on to what's going on and what's out there and what we should see. And it's so upsetting that everything I think I'm doing unique and important is exactly in this playbook you've written. Like for the classics, we've decided we need a good quality, dependable, you know, white ale. I went on a bike trip, drank a whole bunch of whites across France. I was like, there's not really a good or a good enough one of those outside Allagash around us. Let's make one of those and get into the bars. And then I think you called them tweeners. 
the evolution of something I've been fooling around with forever is where you take your basic hazy and I swap the yeast to Kolsch and I call it a New Jersey IPA because Kolsch yeast is what makes our flagship beer a flagship beer. And I find it kind of does a middle of the road job of having some sense and dignity of classic flavors while still benefiting from everything we learned from the haze craze of juicy fruits and suppleness and softness. And then, you know, we've stepped up our hoppy lager in the world of the Italian Pilsners Kennedy invented that I've been making. And fuck if every single thing you didn't say on that list isn't the bets I'm betting on coming into this new season. So good on you. And thanks for making me feel like I'm not an original thinker. Well, now, now we tell you that Doug is running a parody site and you're about to go down in flames. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, but you know what I mean? So talk about that whole thinking. Just talk about your process for that because that's a lot of general market awareness and the distributor color you've given me makes a little more sense for your backstory. But I was like, this guy, I mean, I'm just some fucking guy in Jersey and I don't think I'm that special. I know there's a zeitgeist we're all part of and I, I don't pretend I'm not. But I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, I haven't thought of anything that isn't listed here by bullet point number on this, you know, blog post. So talk about that, where you came to it from, why you put it out there for free and let me just read it and stuff like that. Well, one one piece of free marketing advice is don't call your tweener middle of the road in your marketing. <laughs> that, Thank that you. might not be the best way to position it. Well, I call um, it a Jersey IPA. <laughs> But no, um, I, I, so I love writing. I'm not a seasoned writer. I'm not a, um, uh, I've never taken a writing class in my life and it probably shows, but, um, so these take me a long time to do. So that's why I don't do very many of them. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky if I get four of these done per year, but I, I do like to gear up for a predictions one. I like to, uh, you know, I go on a local pot beer podcast here where my, my, uh, code name is Nostra Douglas. Um, to, where I, I try to pretend like I can predict uh, craft beer trends. So that's just kind of a shtick. Well, you clearly uh, can, because I'm well, literally following your predictions in six yeah. weeks. Well, I, I think there's this, when it comes to predictions, there was like, for a while, there was this misunderstanding that like you could predict something in December that nobody has heard of and didn't know was coming. And then it would just uh, magically appear and sure, maybe that happened in the year of the brood IPA year, but in general, everything <laughs> that's gonna everything that's gonna blow up is is already happening in some places. It's just about to gain more steam. So, like, I mean, name any trend that's uh, that I put in this list is not it's not new for 2023. So I'm not, you know, I'm not looking into a crystal ball and seeing something that nobody else sees. I'm more just like paying close attention trying to, I tried to, you know, make this article, not just be a, a list of 23 random things. I, I tried to make it flow from the big picture topics, then kind of going style by style, then getting into the marketing and then like a, a logical wrap up. But I'm really taking the things that I see gaining popularity as a beer fan. I'm still plugged into many different circles and pay attention to the young folks on TikTok, the, uh, Instagram, um, call it millennials, and then uh, the old <laughs> old dogs like John who hang out on Twitter. 
John, uh, you're old in this story. I'm, John's I'm so 10 years old. younger than me, Doug. We might have to fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm also like four years older than Doug. So like, yeah. That's... I'm a, I'm a middle, I'm a hybrid. I'm a middle of the road. No, the middle um, of the road. Do you know what a meme is? Because our tweener. millennial doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are plenty of memes on my feed. You just might not have seen one in the last mm. uh, last week. I have a so. very short attention span. I'm an old man with a drinking habit. Yep. Anyway, go on. But, so yeah, I was <laughs> I was trying to like make a listicle that didn't read like a listicle and kind of told a story and 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 flowed. And you know, I I picked the topics that are close to my heart, which are you know IPAs, sours, lagers, primarily. And then uh, marketing. So, um, just want to was just thinking through what came to mind. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in being forthcoming. Um, in the in the in the end, uh, works out for you. I don't keep big secrets. I don't mind sharing things that are uh, going on at Revolution. You know, I'm a professional wrestling fan uh, dating way back, and I think some of the most successful things they've done is taken reality and made it part of their art form. Like they've had disputes in the locker room that they let turn into skits that they did out on stage. And it was some of the most successful things they've ever done. So I kind of believe in like trying to tell some of uh, like as much of the realities of working at a brewery and making decisions at a brewery. And I've found that it's, it's fun to write about because there's fans of beer that have nothing that don't work in the industry at all and don't plan to that uh, like to absorb this kind of content. But then there's also people that work at breweries in various respects that don't have many options to get this kind of perspective also from somebody who works in it. Cause it's all about, you know, who who has time to do these. Like I talked about, I only have time to do this a handful of times per year, but I love doing a big, big one for the upcoming year. So that's just kind of like a broad uh, explanation of, of why I do this. Good yeah. things tend to come out of it. I tend to meet meet interesting people. I, I I put the work into making the article. Then I get to meet you, Augie, today through this podcast, and I'm sure we'll run into each other at a <laughs> conference or something. And then all of a sudden, I've made a new connection in the industry. So it's just like an, a, a different way of, um, I don't know, networking. Yeah. Kind of no, that's... And 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 like I said, I, I just became aware of it and read it yesterday, but I look forward to your next one. And Anybody who listens to this podcast for eight years knows I seldom look forward to reading. Um, but Hurtful. yeah, man. So thank you. Yeah. Well, because let's face it, John, by the way, this is me being nice to you in the middle of all that. I wanted to interrupt to say, it's okay. If you can't get enough writing done, you can just buy somebody else's old catalog and market it as your own. Oh, but I, di I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Dick move. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dick move banner. <laughs> I didn't say it out loud. Um, but I definitely said it in my head uh -huh. um, and I'm going to digress because, you know, most been... of that catalog was mine or a good amount so of it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And ours. I used um... to be really prolific. Yeah. <laughs> so Doug, we're supposed to be so much more loose than this. And so not give and take, we're supposed to run over each other and I'm supposed to manhandle your opinions and we do all that. But oh, you've done a way pretty good job. But now I'm going to digress and just tell a bullshit story because it's fun because you touched on it and I have a fun story for this. So in one of my previous lives, I worked in film production and one of the jobs I did was called the Thomas Crown Affair. But for the Thomas Crown Affair, I was the stunt unit. So if you've ever seen the movie, it's a movie about rich boys and their toys. And I was the toys unit. Um, 
So the catamarans and the glider planes and the driving a Mustang around Barbados. Wait, well, hang, hang on a second. Hold hang on, on a second. On, no, no, Rich no. Boys and Their Toys is a line out of a completely different movie uh, uh, starring. Why can't I think of James Bond's name? It the doesn't star matter. Of that guy. That Rich it's Boys and Their Toys was that. out of like GoldenEye. Well, while you think of what you're interrupting to remember, okay. let me finish the story. Anyway. <clears throat> So the catamaran stuff happened in Connecticut, and we were in a hotel in Connecticut. And the thing I learned sitting in the bar at this hotel in Connecticut after a day of working with nothing but 27 Hollywood stunt guys who'd been driving boats around is that this hotel is right next to the WWE center of the world, which is in Connecticut, and they were doing a casting call. So I sat in a bar as like the only production assistant on a hundred dollar a day, you know, rate having stunt guys buy me drinks and watched half a bar full of hopeful pro wrestlers. I up half a bar full of Hollywood stuntmen and was sure I was about to witness the greatest Royal Rumble that ever happened off screen. Nothing came of it, but you've never seen more posturing amongst two crowds of people (laughs) that never went anywhere than WWE setting next to stunt guys. So that's that's my image for you as a gift. If you're a wrestling fan, go sit in that bar and hope you're near a movie set. Anyway. All right. So beer two, right. John. Oh yeah. So I, I've got a new podcast in my life called Gastropod. Okay. I don't know if you know it. Are you hosting they, it? No, no, no. Oh. I, John, I'm a one podcast guy. I'm not like you. Live, live no, dangerously, nobody, my friend. Nobody needs a baker's Listen, dozen. Spread your spread yourself thin audio. Nobody needs a baker's dozen of throw in that. throw in just like an annual show just for the fans, mm-hmm. you know, that you have to spend about eleven months of the year thinking about to execute a, a solid forty five minutes. Are we almost uh, back to yeah. are we almost back to April first? We're almost back to April first. Uh, <laughs> uh so one of the ones they just did was about so it's a it's a food centered thing but through a science perspective so they're talking about the evolution of citrus which is super neat i never knew this they really taught me a lot i suggest this podcast to anybody that has my level of food geekery but apparently thousand years ago two thousand years ago there were four kinds of citrus there are only four kinds of citrus and everything we know as citrus is you know, human crossbred or grafting of these four citruses onto each other. And they can tell you for like each thing, like this is two parts citron and three parts. I can't remember the names of the others, but anyway, so it really got me focused on, yeah, I guess I have had a lot of weird kinds of citrus, like Japanese caviar limes or key limes or whatever. And they were talking about all these things and how they were made. This one, the minute I smelled, I was like, oh, that's an Israeli mandarin. And I don't think I would have ever thought that before the podcast. So I don't want to take credit for it, but that's what it smells like, right? It's like a little tiny orange that's easy to peel. Okay. What about you? What do you got on beer two? Uh, some, you know, I, I'm not dialing into your level of citrus. Uh, I got some. I'll send you the pine- podcast. I got some funky pineapple. Uh, there is um, a little bit of like, you know, again, like vague tropical notes on this as well. I, I haven't been able to dial in on anything too particular with this. Um, it's got a nice juicy quality to it. The the hops on the back end of it, though, 
there's little something green. that's a, a little green, but also like have that slight bitterness to it where I'm like, all right, like there's some, like there's some like, I do you think say there's like, lactose in it or just too much wheat? I don't think that I, there's a I'm weird not mid palate soft sweetness. I can't identify. It's fine. Um, it's good, but like it's... where that vanilla kind of shows up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, I hope that there's not, I mean, maybe there is, um, I'm not, I wasn't thinking lactose before this, but, um, the hop bitterness on the end of it keeps it interesting enough for me to keep coming back to it where a lot of times when I'm having like some of the hazies, it's just one of these, like, okay, like my, my palate's now kind of stunted and it's not really going anywhere. The bitterness is, is keeping me engaged where I've gone back five or six more times than maybe I would have otherwise, cool. but um, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Do you want to tell me what it is? I'm walking around. I'm not near it. <clears throat> uh, hazy hearted IPA from Bill's. Does that. I guess this hearted, is their hazy. I guess this is hazy? their hazy. Yeah. I don't know. Does Justin's hanging lactose? out. Lactose? <laughs> if there's lactose in it, that's the reason John Mallet's leaving. <laughs> John Mallet right. put in his notice the day that lactose went into one right. of his IPAs. Doug, this is me promising you we will do another one of these with you where we actually get you the beers and you can play this game with us. And but maybe game, you'll talk. The game he, that's unfair. Nope. Um, have you had either of these beers? Hazy Hearted or 17 Words by Burial? Uh, definitely not the Burial. Um, Hazy Hearted, I haven't had. I've had Cold Hearted, Black Hearted, all the other Hearteds, but not, not Hazy Hearted. They did a double two Hearted years ago, and I got really pissed off that they didn't call it Four Hearted. Mm -hmm. And Larry Bell also didn't think this was funny. I don't get it. They had it at Costco here. Uh, recently and it's like 11 percent yeah it's not just like an eight percent double ipa it is a, it is 11 percent. do you have an opinion on when things when ipas move from single to double to triple i do yeah i uh i made a graphic on this recently but um i have this i'm i'm, I'm a proponent of eight percent is the is the double where double ipa begins and um, then Imperial is this weird kind of hybrid that can be a double or triple, it seems. But triple for me is uh, 10 and above. Nine is kind of like a weird no man's land where, where I would use Imperial. But to me, 8% is a double, 10% is a triple. We agree. Um, yeah. It's funny. In our style guide for, you know, for marketing, it's... Under eight is single, eight to 10 is double, has to be over 10 to be a triple. Um, and Imperial, although I don't really use it anymore, was non-dry hopped IPAs from seven and a half up was when, I, you know what I mean? So like Imperial Stouts and Imperial, you know, my, my 7.8 East Coast double is an Imperial, you know what I mean? But but as things went more and more DDH and stuff, we just switched to one, two, three times. You know what I mean? Yep, that makes sense. Um, 
So what else should we talk about? We're running out of time here. We're supposed to be done five minutes ago, but I've been enjoying the conversation, so I'm not, can I, I'm not dying to stop. Can, can, can I tell you something? I don't know if you we can, have a letter. Well, you can try. I probably won't listen. All right. Well, so you know how in life you have these things that, that you know are going to happen, and they're sort of far away on the, on the horizon, but you, you, you Are you have, telling me you're a psychic? Well, no, I'm just saying that, you know, okay. there, there are things that you know are going to happen in your life. Not me. And I, okay. <laughs> um, and you, 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 as they start to get closer, you start to get like either like a little worried or a little excited, or if it's that, that, that sweet spot, it's a little bit of both, right? I got an invitation from my cousin who lives in Chicago who is getting married this summer. And Ooh, it was an invitation that. to the wedding. And both the, the, the nuptials and the reception are happening at Revolution Brewing. <gasps> How about that? I am, I am danger, excited danger, danger, and Will terrified at the same time of, you know, like it's, it's, I, I don't know how it works with like open bar um, or how I get escorted out eventually. <laughs> but like, it's. Can I it, be your plus one? Because you it's and I happening. can definitely sit nope. down at that, nope. that proverbial nope. table. Nope. There's, there's no way. They're going to lose their deposit if you walk in with me. Rem remember Joe. our Denver table? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> hang on. Doug, sit down wait, over Doug, cans of SOJ. Doug has already <laughs> promised me that he's going to tape cans to the back of one of the toilets in one of, in the men's room of like, the really good stuff. Yeah. Well, no, I was, I was actually going to give you the secret. So um, approach, approach a server who uh, looks to be like one of our newest and, <laughs> and somebody who's really green wink, and nervous. Yeah. yeah uh, wink eight times and then make a horse click sound like a do that five times, and that, that's the that's the uh, kind of secret code to get a uh, can of VSOJ from the back, you know, back in quotes. And but so I love you do that, because you whatever guys... you do, John, John, whatever you do, don't go to six because that gets you totally different back of the toilet treatment. Yeah, that gets you the brutal. Yeah. <laughs> what I love six. is Doug will routinely post uh, great videos of your 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 throwing footballs for your for your for your kid for your son, uh, and he's making some amazing catches um, uh, in your house with like your your nest cams and your nanny cams and all all sorts of things. I can only imagine that <laughs> the Revolution Reception Hall is both wired for picture and sound, and that as I'm walking around doing that to all of the servers. Within minutes, me clicking and neighing like a horse are going to show up on the internet. And I, quite I, honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you need my money, but I will fund making sure this is in place <laughs> by this wedding. <laughs> but I am, I am, I am both when, when, when the invitation came through, I just, I, 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 after I stopped laughing maniacally, I texted Doug. Um, and then like the real fear kind of set in. Of, yeah. Oh God! No, I get it. What I is this it. day going to be? You so, to, to to be fair, Doug, let, let's close this up on Chicago. Because anybody who listens to the show knows my passion for Chicago. My first fine meal was at Charlie Trotter's. I've been to Alinea twenty times. I think Chicago is our most important food city. And John and I fantasy travel often, but 
But right now, anytime I go out there, I hit, you know, uh, Daisy Cutter, Hell, uh, Half Acre, because they're Jersey boys and they helped us when we were starting out. Now I'm super excited for um, Old Irving, Dovetail, obviously you guys now that I've heard all this story. And um, and what's the other one I really want to hit? Hot Butcher. Definitely not Hams. Um, if I was out that far and going for that kind of thing, it'd be Stro for me. But uh, but what else? What else do do our our thieves at home need to know about properly enjoying Chicago outside Malort and fine dining? Well, we have a. Uh, it's an interesting scene here that I, I, you know, I'm sure everybody thinks theirs is unique. Well, the way I think of Chicago as being unique is there's like. There's a pretty strong resistance here to the the trend of the day kind of thing, and it's not that we don't have uh, some breweries who who aren't right right there on trend, but in terms of it doesn't feel like it's uh, consumed the beer market here. If anything, it's more the opposite. I feel like we have a lot of breweries that have like a very specific point of view. Like we have at least three like lager only might be a strong word, but maybe like 95% lager is, is all they do. And that's like Dovetail Metropolitan. There's a newer one that opened a few years ago that's awesome and doing it in their own unique way called Goldfinger. And they're getting our- Oh uh, yeah, Tom's getting, doing awesome stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. getting the suburbs Was that the excited. movie you were looking for, John? Anyway, go on, Doug, I'm sorry. That's okay. And then we have like <laughs> multiple, like almost, almost Saison exclusive breweries with um, Afterthought and Is Was. And uh, so like a lot of breweries are really going after something very specific and there aren't that many that are like uh, generalists, like we, some people might call revolution. And that just kind of makes it fun to, cause if there's something you like, you can go to one of these tap rooms and just get the full the full experience of like a, like a wide range of that. If it's Saison, if it's lager, you can go to Metropolitan and try 12 different lagers. And every Friday, they're going to tap a new firkin of a lager you've never seen before. They're always going to have a coffee lager on nitro, just like weird stuff that just like keep it interesting for regulars, people that live in the neighborhood. But um, I like that about it. And um, not, not that I don't love a brewery that like, hits hits it all but um yeah it's just like a lot of the classic styles have been like pretty quick to come back here and there's quite a few breweries where you can go right now and enjoy a mild um not just so us, good. but there's a brewery called art history that is always having like english styles and classic lagers on tap they're a little um probably like 45 minutes outside the city um there's uh i don't know um, right, you, so you've, that, that's, you've that's kind of definitely yeah. given me way too like. Ugh, I want to go to Chicago so bad. I'm, I'm in maybe, Chicago. <laughs> Listen, if you become like my plus one, uh, which oh, you won't. Dude. Um, so, so Doug, there's a, there's a very famous night where John and I were wandering around drinking, winding up New Jersey's brewers about making malt liquor. And ended up sitting down at a table in a basement across from each other on somebody's double barrel fourteen and a half percent stout. Epic brewing that we just that we epic brewings 
you know, one of their classics. And it was like we were, you know, the cowboys in the movie pulling the cork out of the bottle with our teeth and just passing it back and forth as we tipped our tipped our bottle into our plastic cups, toasted again. And I, the, I oh, it's one of my favorite drinking nights ever, but as, I, as I is mine. really yeah. see over cans of bsoj man like at some point i'm gonna get right. you and then it becomes and then it becomes at the story point, about I'm the guy that john brought that was those. giving toast to kathleen and bob and they're like who the fuck is this guy you know yeah. and then you're trying to dance with Anne marie and you know the the entire haran clan is like like who is they're like thank you know, god Augie this? came it's like oh cousin, john this good old cousin Augie. diatribe about the old gray lady nope Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we've Worst. devolved enough. The thieves have got what they came for. Yes. So, hey, man, Cass it's is super here. Super nice to meet you. Cass, you're here. Get ready I am to here. Your podcast. I, Get ready to I, I am far, here. But not yet. Cass right. has been skulking around the barrels at Rev. We've distracted Cass. Doug for long enough. Uh, Cass has walked a, out. No, yeah. I'm at a trade show down the street from Rev, probably about 20 minutes. So, um, right. we're trying to get there. Wait. Listen, I'm trying to get there before the flight tomorrow, Grab Doug. some beer, grab some beer from Doug and bring it home so I can drink it. Um, and by the way, if you, I don't know if you heard the secret code, but do the secret code because I want, I want one of those and I want to yeah. get it, and I want to get it without hitting Doug in his DMs. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just want to say thanks, man. Like, like I said, you're new to my world, but it was really exciting to find your stuff. Your content is interesting. I'm super psyched. I think I've touched on a couple, but you should take a quick, quiet second to list the blog, your Instagram, and whatever Rev pays you to talk about when you come on stuff like this. And then we'll do our things where we beg for money so that John and I can fly to Chicago. Cool. Well, my uh, my blog is beercrunchers.com and that's my um, Twitter handle, beercruncher on there. On Instagram and TikTok, I use beer aficionado. And while we were talking, I scrolled back like 10 years because I knew I had posted a picture of boat before and, uh, <laughs> I, and I found it and I think you're going to like it, but yeah. it's, I, I, I photoshopped a picture of Wilson from the movie Castaway onto a volleyball and then right. a, my hand is reaching for the can of boat as in like trying to get off the island. I'm and, excited. Uh, so, so just to be clear, not only have I heard I, of you, but session I, IPA all the way in. Can you can he, you send that to one of us? Can you send it to me? And I will. I'd like to see it. I don't he, know. He that just he just sent it. He just sent it in the chat here. Okay, cool. Right. Thank yeah. you. I'm walking around the house. The yeah. I, I like this photo. I like this yeah, photo in 2014. Well, actually, like I said, great photo. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hold on. All right. So no, that's fine. Do the rest of that besides beer cruncher. What else should they, what else should they do for Rev? Like if they were with Cass right now, what would they do? In terms of coming to visit us or? Yeah. Visit you. Yep. yep, yep. Oh, um, well, we've got our original brew pub is in the Logan square neighborhood. And that's where you'd want to go. If you wanted to get a bite to eat, um, we have a great uh, sandwich menu, tacos, a bunch of other specials. And then we have a, at, at our big production brewery, which isn't far, it's like less than two miles away. Um, that's where we have a big German beer hall style tap room that um, just has a, a lot more space, but no food. So that's where you'd go to get like a brewery tour. That's in a neighborhood called Avondale that just is one, again, one neighborhood away. So both of our locations are very close together, like a 10 minute Uber right away. 
That's amazing. All right. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to die. Sorry, I, I muted myself to go find that picture. I, he I'm finished. I was like, die. great, thank you. And nothing yeah. came out. No, You're I'm just die. I'm I'm more just You're thinking about die. that space. That's all. Uh, hey, Cass, You're not gonna uh, make it. You're up, Cass. How do they give hey. us money so I can be John's plus one to this <laughs> wedding? I'm already practicing my toast. Hey, Patreon.com/slash/SteelThisBeer. <laughs> Thanks to all that donate to us, we really appreciate it. Um, we will not the put that money towards any flights for Hall or Augie. Those will just go to getting our guests. Don't make beer. that promise. Don't make that. Promise. I didn't. Dude, I didn't. I just said we're not going to spend money on flights. Somebody has to get me flights. to this wedding, Cass. Oh, oh. follow us. We want to give him a nice gift. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Fuck. You think we're going and not buying off the registry, Cass? Focus. Um, follow us on all social media. Why only get one KitchenAid beer? mixer when you can get three? <laughs> and one of them being orange. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys. Hey. Yeah. Get at us. Get at us. Get at us.